Well, I am grateful to have the opportunity to share with you this morning and um, excited uh, about the things that uh, Pastor Trey asked me to speak about because it is very much uh, uh, the secret of, not a secret, but a, a huge component of what helped me to, uh, to change from the, the life that I struggled with before I got saved and uh, grow up and be mature. So it's very uh, dear to my heart what I'm talking about today. Um, so uh, like Trey was talking about, I'm a wise guy, which means I'm either taking over for Ray Liotta after he's gone on and passed away, or it means I'm a smart aleck or something like that, and probably all of the above. But um, yeah, I've had the great privilege of, of seeing God do some awesome things. Um, this month was a fairly significant milestone for me. I'm 70 years old this month, and I wanted to clear up a couple of uh, rumors that go around. Number one, I don't dye my hair. It is just the DNA that I have, and I don't have a wig. And then the other thing is uh, I get a, a lot of, you know, suspicions about this as well, and it has to do with my physique. And unlike our pastor, I don't spend hours every day in the gymnasium, and I do not use steroids. This is all just me, the way that I am. It's the DNA that I have, and I'm blessed and thankful to God for it, right? Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm kind of circling the, the airport now here a little bit. Okay, so we've been talking about everyday disciples, and we've been talking about spiritual disciplines that, uh, this is a great segue, right? Just so smooth. Um, and we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, and so I, I followed up, Trey, with, uh, if we go to the next slide, the uh, quote by Dallas Willard. And I can see I didn't make my uh, PowerPoint very large. But anyway, he wrote this up, or Trey shared this with us, that disciplines are activities within our power that enable us to accomplish what we cannot do by direct effort. And I had a a good example of this for myself anyway, hopefully you, you'll see something at it, but I love to mountain bike. I love to mountain bike. And I have this, uh, I have this client, I'm a, I'm a psychologist and I work mostly with, uh, with teenagers, or adolescents anyway, and he loves to mountain bike and he's just broken up, literally, physically broken up all the time because the only thing he does are the tricks, you know, he does the jumps and all those kinds of things, he keeps crashing and broke his shoulder, messed his knee, all, all the different kinds of things, you know, and so I tell him about the awesome hills around here, and he's like, yeah, I'm not really into climbing, you know, <laughs> I'm like, you have really, really narrowed your options of what you're going to experience in mountain biking if you don't want to climb, you know? And then I thought, uh, Tom and I, we, we uh, rode up, it's a two and a half mile, uh, well, the, to the first view, right? It's two and a half miles, and that was, that was as far as to go that day. And it was so beautiful, and it, it, even the ride up is beautiful, although very taxing, you know. But uh, we rode up, the forest is beautiful, the trail is beautiful, and then you get up two and a half miles later, and you have this awesome view of North Bend and Snoqualmie, and how many people have been up there, you know what I'm talking about. It's just 
gorgeous up there. And, you know, that is, to me, that's the, the disciplines. You know, you experience the opportunity to go to elevations and experiences and views that you never would if you didn't build in the disciplines. And like Pastor Trey uh, spoke so well, it's not about shoulds. You know, it's not like I can tell this kid who keeps crashing on all these jumps and stuff, he's having a great time doing the jumps, but dude, you really should. <laughs> Climb those hills, they're so, and it's so fun going downhill. <laughs> that part is really fun too, you know. But I, it's not about should he climb the hills, it's like, why wouldn't you? Why, I understand it's effort, I understand you got to work at it, I understand you got to go again and 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 again to get to the viewpoint, right Tom? <laughs> But it's worth it, and you're, you're missing out if you don't. Um, and it, that is so true with what we're talking about today. So anyway, as I, say, as I say there in, in those two points down below, discipline is the necessary preparation for the day of action, okay? You, you, stuff happens in life, and when you've had the discipline, you can rise to the occasion and manage it and, and take care of it and be successful and power through regardless of what the circumstances are. And, then, and so it is the recovery from a setback or a trial that comes your way. And also, it opens the door, as, I, as I'm saying there, I, I jumped ahead, I went to the second point before the first point. It opens the door for new opportunities, new responsibilities, new endeavors in your life as well, you know? It's like, um, you've been faithful with a few, you'll be ruler over many. You know, you, it, it continues to grow as, as, uh, as Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 25 there about the talents. You know, you, you exercise the talents that you have and God's going to expand those talents and provide greater opportunities, greater endeavors for you to accomplish and to experience as well, okay? So, so it's, uh, it is worth the effort. Let's go to the next slide. Um, I, you know, we, we talk about a, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 being the hall of faith and talks about all of these great men and women of God that did incredible things uh, along their journeys because of their spiritual discipline and because particularly of their faith that God is going to do something awesome in their, in their life. And then this in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such witnesses to the life of faith, let us, we just felt like our, our time was so urgent to, to do stuff for the Lord and stuff, you know, and, and my wife and I were just so busy um, doing things of the ministry and stuff, and, and uh, part of that was because all the people that we were around were really young too, and so uh, we didn't have some old people <laughs> that were saying, take it easy now, let's, be a, let's have a balance in your life and take care of that, but we have need of endurance in our lives. We there, it is possible to have a sense of urgency to serve God and be used by God, and yet at the same time have that, build that endurance so that we can live a long time doing the things that God has planned for us. And so we need these spiritual disciplines, and we need to uh, be able to manage the sin nature that we all have a part of the body that we live in. You know, it's really rough to do the things that God has called us to do without this sin nature because it comes with the body and we can't be free of that until we 
go to heaven. All right, let's go to the next, next slide. So a little bit of my story. I grew up in a church going, being sent to a church, I should say, with my neighbors that, uh, that was nice. It was a nice church. Um, and I don't, I, you know, there were some people that it, it worked for, um, but I did not see the power of God there. I did not experience people that was like, oh, I want what they got. I don't know what they got going on here, but I want what they got. I, I didn't experience any of that. It was like, if, if you're going to be a Christian, you're, you, you're going to be nice. You know, follow Jesus and be nice, and that's what being a Christian is. And I wasn't very nice. I was this, I was an ADHD kid who was out of control. I wasn't mean, but I was just impulsive and, and dumb. And, uh, and I, didn't, I didn't know I was. I broke my arm five times before I graduated from high school, and I had hundreds of stitches in my body because ready, aim, fire was not me. It was ready, fire, oh yeah, aim, forgot about that. You know, was, that was me constantly. When I, was, when I was two years old, my mom told me this. When I was two years old, my mom went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you need to put a football helmet on him because I kept running into things, and I had this big lump on my forehead for so long that my mom was worried it was going to get infected and stuff. So his, his solution was put a football helmet on him and let it, let it heal up and stuff. That's kind of been my life, you know. It's like going a little faster than, you know, what was in me. And anyway, that church didn't, wasn't cutting it for me. And unfortunately, I, I kind of thought that that's what Jesus was, was that church. Now, that church... <clears throat> I'm sure for, for the right people, it was wonderful, because there was a lot of people there. I'm sure there were great people and stuff, but it didn't, it didn't touch me and affect me, you know. And, um, and uh, yeah, as I said, there, it was a life of rules, not joy and confidence and freedom. Uh, so I was really bored, and uh, so I was seeking excitement, and I wasn't a bad kid. I did, I did good in school. I was just out of control. Um, and, uh, and, and I didn't know Jesus, you know, I, I really needed to know him and I needed to have his power working in my life and I need to be forgiven. So anyway, I, as a, as that ready fire guy, um, drugs was an exciting thing that I learned about and got involved in it. And it wasn't like today where it was so prevalent, you know, we just, it was just, uh, you know, it was like an adventure, and I, I was that stupid that I was just like, yeah, you know, drugs, this is cool. So I went down that path, and by the time I was 17 years old, I was, I was shooting heroin, and, and, uh, and it, it was weird because I was still doing good in school. I was class president and stuff like that, but, it, but I was just a train wreck and, uh, and so desperate for life and something good and, and, and couldn't find it. And then... Um, as it says there, when I, I, I went off to college, and I did two things really well. I studied, and I was taking pre-med, and studied, and got good grades, and I shot heroin. <laughs> and that was, that was my life. And I was desperately lonely, and I was desperately just empty, and desperately hoping that getting through college and everything was, you know, going to straighten up my life. And I think that's a lot of the spirit of our world today is if they can just get through their education and get a career and all that kind of stuff, you're going to be okay. And, 
And, uh, but I was terrified because I had no idea whether that was going to happen and whether that was going to be enough or not. I didn't want to be a heroin addict. I didn't want to be messed up like that. I didn't see myself doing that, but I was doing it all the time, you know. And then finally I ran into these people because my sister got um, busted in a, in a drug raid and uh, she, her husband had to go into this drug program or go to prison and he took the drug program. So I went to visit this drug program and for the first time I met people that were so enthusiastic about life and so excited about you know, their future and so dedicated to helping others. The happiest people, the strongest people, the most confident people, the most loving people that I'd ever met in my life. And I was intrigued. And I was going to Western at the time. And every Friday night, I got done with chemistry lab at 5 o'clock, and I jumped in my car to drive down to, to Seattle to go to this group therapy meeting. I thought after the first one, I'd never be back, but I never missed one because of the, of the emptiness inside of me and the desperation for what these people had. And I didn't know they were Christians. You know, they, um, they didn't talk about Jesus, at least in the sessions that I'd been in, but I suspected they were, but they weren't. They weren't talking about it um, openly. They were talking about helping me and what, what would help me change. Anyway, after the end of that quarter, I dropped out of school, and I went into the drug program. It was a residential program, and you could go visit, but you couldn't stay there all the time. So then I, I dropped out of college. I went into that drug program, and that was it for me. It changed my life completely. I, it was a residential program. It wasn't one of those... 10 days and a couple of follow-ups, it was, I, I was there a year and a half um, living in that drug program, and, it, and uh, we just learned from the very beginning what it, what it was going to take for us to get our lives together and so forth. And then I found out once I got in that they, that they, were, they were Christians, <laughs> they did love Jesus. And uh, I met my wife there, um, and she was not one of the counselors. It's not my recommended or preferred way to meet people is go to rehab, um, but it worked for us, and, uh, and we're, we're going strong as well. Um, but anyway, uh, there were some things that we learned, and I want to go on to the next slide here. Um, these are the things that were so important. Um, besides changing you know, how messed up my thinking was and all the beliefs that I had and so forth. And besides learning to be honest and transparent with sin and all the junk and the doubts and insecurities that I had, and besides learning about forgiveness of myself and other people and so forth, and many, 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 many other things, one thing that they taught from the very beginning is you need to help people. You need to serve. You need to give. You need to help somebody else. And I remember looking at Julius, who was my, who is the mentor and the man who led me to the Lord. And unlike any person I'd ever met in my entire life, he was just uh, so amazing. Um, he he said, "How long have you been in this drug program?" I said, "I've I've been here one day." He says, "Well, then you got one day's worth of stuff that you can share with that person right there who's brand new." You know, he says, "Don't." Don't give me this excuse that you don't have anything to share or give to somebody else. And it's like, okay. And I was so terrified. And he was like, he was like Jesus, you know. He's like, and I was this little guy. And and I was like, that cemented in me that the key to my growth is going to be serving and giving and helping other people. And that sure enough was 
what helped me to, to grow out of the train wreck that I had made my life into at that very young age. So let's go to the next slide. I, I love this story. I love this story. Um, let's read it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 20, he says, Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with their sons, and she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? Jesus asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and, and the other on your left. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, how many of you have seen The Chosen? It's a, it's a great series. It shows the disciples and stuff kind of like probably more real than any other uh, Bible uh, programs that I've seen. But imagine these are like two of the youngest guys. John was definitely one of the young, youngest disciples. And uh, uh, most of the things that I've read, they think he's a teenager, you know, 17, 18 years old when he was following after Jesus. So imagine all the disciples are, are seeing this happen, and one of their moms goes to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, you know, Peter would be just so rankled. It's like, what? You know, getting your mom to do this? Are you kidding me? You know, and, and here's James sheepishly, James and John going, you know, and mom is up there talking. It's like, Jesus, you know, we want to humbly serve you, but hey, my boys, they'd be your great generals. You should have them up there. Would you, would you do me a, a solid there, Jesus, and put my boys up there? Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh, I think that's so funny. <laughs> and Jesus answered by saying to them, because obviously they were watching. They were right there with mom. <laughs> And he said, Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able, you know. And I appreciate their, their boldness and all of that, but I, I find it really funny. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones that he has chosen. And when the, other when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Your mom, really? I don't, they probably never lived that down the rest of their lives. It, they're, all the disciples sitting around, and Peter's remembering... <laughs> James, John, your mom, you had your mom to that? Really? You know, I just, I just think that's hilarious. Anyway, they were indignant. But Jesus called them uh, together and he said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. All right? One thing that I like about this is that Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be used by him. Jesus didn't rebuke them for stepping up and doing that, even, even though he could have said, James, John, appreciate your motivation and your ambition, but really your mom, come on, talk to me straight up, come to me by yourself. He didn't rebuke them for, for doing that. He didn't even rebuke them for having their mom come, you know, um, he embraced it, which is amazing to me. Anyway, he said, and, and oh, excuse me, let me jump back in here. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, okay? 
And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to, to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right. So, you know, the word great, one of the, uh, it's a leader there in uh, New King James, it says great. I cannot remember what New American Standard, great. I think it's there. I think all the rest of them are great. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Um, I think God wants us to be great. And I think great is just using our potential to the best of our ability. I think it's about us being the best, you know, the cliche, the best version of ourself as frequently as possible. And then we make our plans, but God directs our steps. And so if we'll enter into that place where we want to be the best that we can be, we want to be a leader, we want to be great, then it means serving is what it's all about. And it's not like the spirit of this world, which is all about 10 minutes of fame or having, you know, a million followers or, you know, being somebody incredible and powerful and all of those kinds of things. You know, we have a hard time not, even as Christians, we have a hard time not giving in and honoring those types of things. But it's, it's different in the kingdom of God. It is being the best version of who we can possibly be, which is a, a, a tenderness towards the Lord, using all the other spiritual disciplines that Trey has been talking about, being the best version of who we are and not sitting back, not being unwilling to do whatever God has called us to do, okay? Um, the, the talents, the gifts, the strengths that we have are all God-given. We don't have to create something of our own that's phony and, and not real. We just have to be willing to do whatever God has called us to do and step up and go for it, okay? And it's about serving and helping and giving. All right, let's go to the next one. All right, so, so here's some real things here, benefits of serving. I'm so thankful that I, first of all, my parents were, were servers. My mom was a nurse, and so being a caregiver was always the way that she was. She was involved in many other things as well as that. So I, I had that in my DNA, and I'm so thankful for that. But then in my rehabilitation, it was emphasized, you're really going to be healthy. Because they weren't just about getting us off of drugs. It was really about being as healthy as we could be, being extraordinary people, you know, not just ex-users or recovering alcoholics or recovering drug addicts, but exceptional people that were used by God was, they didn't say those words, but that was the expectation. That was what our goal was, and serving that was a huge part of that. So number one, takes your focus away from you and your issues, and <laughs> Raise your hand if you don't have issues. Of course, we all have issues. And I can remember sometimes when my wife and I would be, we would, we would argue, um, and we'd, we'd be in a big argument, and then I'd have to go re lead group therapy, where, the, where it was couples therapy. I'm going to lead a group therapy session of couples that need counseling and stuff, and, I'm, and I have to break off this argument with my wife so that I can go do this. So I'm driving in the car, <sighs> deep breathing, praying, help me, Lord, oh, working Judy, help her straighten her out, Lord, while I'm gone. And... <laughs> And then I get in there, <laughs> I get into group therapy, and it's like, you right now, it's time for you to be used 
and help these people and start to teach them. And by the time group therapy is over, pew, completely forgot about the argument, completely changed my attitude. And, and I get home, and first thing is, babe, I'm so sorry. You know, whatever it happens to be. It's always that way. There's a tenderizing that happens when you serve other people, when you give to other people, when you forget about yourself and you pour yourself into somebody else, you know? And it's, it's, a, it, it's scripture. It's the, the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. We let the love of God flow out through us and all that residual impact of that love and his spirit gets all over us and fixes us a little bit, okay? Now, that doesn't happen anymore to, for, to us because Judy has grown so much over the years. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding that she's, she, she has grown so much. We both have grown so much over the years. Anyway, um, yeah, and so it's like, um, well, I'm going to keep going because I'm running out of time. <laughs> um, there's, there's things that are happening in your lives, you know, giving and helping and serving gives you strength to help other people. Um, I, I used to work with uh, some children that have been uh, uh, grown up in abusive uh, situations, horrible, horrible cases and stuff, you know, and you sit down with them and you begin to do therapy with these kids that have experienced so much abuse. And, you're, and in the back of my mind, I'm going, Lord, I'm sorry for any complaints that I've ever voiced to you. I'm sorry for, you know, all, all the different things because it's like, I... I had no excuse for the life that I lived up until I got saved. And even since I've been saved, you know, I've been so selfish so many different times and lazy, so many, all those different kinds of things. And, and there's just this gratitude that happens when you are in touch with somebody else that's been broken and you have the privilege of being able to bring some life to them, bring some light to them, bring some hope to them, bring some direction to them. All right, um, and number three, makes your heart tender and, and builds empathy. I'm just sharing that very example of that, you know, that that, that happens. Uh, cre increases your love for God, for others, and for yourself. Um, you know, if you ever wonder why we're here on earth, you know, I was, I was telling the kid the other day, when I was 15, I had this great revelation on LSD, and this this great revelation, this deep, and, and I was like, I was just a thinker, you know, and my deep revelation was, why? That's it. <laughs> That's it. I made a, a poster <laughs> of Why? Why are we here? Why, you know, why, why, why am I in this, in this body? Why do I grow up here? Why do I have these friends? Why do I have these questions? Why are, you know, and it just went on. Anyway, um, if you have any of those, oh, those ideas, it's like we are here because God created us to live and serve and accomplish what he's called us to do. It's the answer to every why is serving God and loving God. And, and uh, when you put yourself in the position for that to happen, like I said, his love, his spirit 
flows out through you and you are touched and you are different and you are changed. And I'm so thankful for that privilege of, of being able to experience that. It improves your self-worth and your confidence when you help other people. Um, I learned to be able to teach by working with children because I knew that I, I, I just had to be fired up. That's all I had to do with children. I could be a really bad teacher, and they would still love it if I was fired up, you know. And I didn't want to be a bad teacher, but I was a new teacher, so I learned and, and stuff, and, and, uh, and my confidence grew as I worked together with them, helping them, loving them, having fun with them, and uh, it was a, an amazing thing for, for me personally, but I, I love those children, and you really learn whether you know the gospel or not when you're trying to explain it to children. If you can't, and I, and I kind of think this, that if you can't explain the gospel to children, you don't really know the gospel very well, and there's some work for you to do. All right. Uh, it pleases God. It is our purpose. You know, it's like when uh, some bad things have happened to us, I'm always reminded that, um, uh, that two, you know, the two laws that Jesus said is to, what are they? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and everything. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people as well, you know. And when it's all about loving God, well, that means it's all about loving people. Because loving God, you can't, you, can't, you know, serve God, Him physically. You can't, you know, like, oh, let me get that for you, Jesus, you know. It's like, you... <laughs> You don't have that option to do that yet, you know. But here on, so, so here on earth, serving God is serving other people. You want to serve God, then you serve other people. You love other people. You help other people. You know, you would do that if Jesus said, oh, man, I'm so thirsty. I'll be right back. Let me go, let me go get you some water. And you'd run over and do that for him. But, but Jesus can't be here in the flesh. That's us. God came to give his life for people, and now we are his people to, to reach other people and have them know about Jesus. Okay, so, um, and then lastly, it makes a, makes a difference in people's lives. Um, let's go to the next slide. All right, like any discipline, you need to commit to it. You do it whether you feel like it or not, and I think that's super important that you, that you make a commitment to do it and you show up again and again and again and again and again to be able to accomplish it and make it happen. Um, Oh, anyway, let me keep going. Give according to your capacity and your motivation. Don't do like my wife and I did, which was, I mean, we, we did group therapy on Tuesday night. We did group therapy on Thursday night. We did Friday night group therapy for teenagers, which went from 7 o'clock at night to 1 o'clock in the morning. We did that every single week uh, for nine years, I think we did that group therapy thing. And then we had church, and then we had group therapy after church until evening church, and then we went to evening church, and then I ran the children's ministry for, for several years as well, and then we had full-time jobs on top of that. That was, that was just our life. We were just go, 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 you know, we just thought, this is what we got to do, you know, and, um, and so you want to, you want, you want word on your capacity. Watch your capacity. Make sure you take your balance and so forth, but this scripture is often brought up in, as it relates to um, giving money. Greed is one of your uh, weak. Giving your money is a good thing to help you to grow through. Be bountifully. 
Each, this is the important part, each one must do just as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves, excuse me, a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So it is about the compulsion of your own heart. Um, how high do you want to climb in your experience with God is dependent on how willing your uh, serving is. I have a, um, I have a friend who's uh, a colleague, actually, and she talked, and I, I think I've shared this before. Um, she likes to say, you know, you don't want to shoot on yourself, you know. Um, so you don't want to do everything because you should, and I know Trey has talked about this, but you don't want to serve people because you should. You want to serve people out of the compulsion of your heart. And as it comes to these spiritual disciplines, you know, um, yeah, you shouldn't, do them because you feel like you should. Um, but I think the honest question um, that we all need to ask ourselves regularly is, why would I not do them? What is what's keeping me from doing them? Um, I've had the privilege of having some supernatural experiences with God uh, that I'm so grateful for, you know, one, and they're in horrible situations, but, but uh, I don't regret them <laughs> because of the horrible situation. One time I was in Alaska on this fishing boat, the only time I've ever been there, and, uh, and I, I thought it was okay because this, this captain was like in his 50s and he had been doing this for like 30 years. And we got into this storm and it was 20 to 30 foot waves and, and uh, you know, it's a 180 foot boat, so it's a pretty big boat. I mean, you're going up over these waves, and then you crash down, and the front of the boat is completely covered with water, and then it pops back up again as you start climbing up the next wave, and it goes down, and you know, and um, and then all of a sudden, our anchor started slipping off of the the bow of the ship, and we'd go up like this, and the anchor would come back and go wham, and and you could hear it hitting the hull, you know, and it's, it weighs like ten thousand pounds. It's huge, you know, this anchor, and that keeps going on, that keeps going on, and and pretty soon, you know, um, it's either going to hit the prop, and we only had one prop in this particular boat, or it's going to punch a hole, and it wasn't a double bottom boat, so it was going to. We were going to sink, and we are in Alaska, and we didn't have enough survival suits for everybody there, and we didn't have other boats to get us off. We were going to die if, if we didn't stop this. So the captain uh, stopped the boat, and you know how it works. You know, we start turning sideways because the waves are, are pushing you, and, uh, and then he, he screams at me to come up. So I'm standing up on the, on the bridge, which is the highest part of the, of the um, boat, and uh, we're tipping over into the water, and this one wave, and I didn't know very much about the waves and so forth, but this one wave, um, I'm, I'm hanging on to this thing because we're, we're going over, so this one wave came all the way up into the bridge, and there was water into the bridge, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt if another wave as big as that one or bigger than that one came, we were going to roll. There's no question in my mind. And, and right at that moment, I'm hanging on. And in that moment, 
where I'm waiting for the next wave to cause us to roll, Jesus visited me. And his presence was so real and so powerful. I had just this complete peace. I, was, I knew if I died right then, I was going to be in the presence of God physically. And I was just like so grateful and so peaceful at that moment. And I waited for that next wave, and it didn't come because they come, and I guess, in, in uh, cycles of like seven. And then the skip, skipper screams at me, get out there! And, and so he screams at me, and I go out to the end of the... Uh, the end of the boat, this is like, should have been in a movie or something, you know. But I'm, I drag a torch out to the end of the boat to cut the anchor off, right? And I'm the, I'm the, the welder guy, so that, that's my job. So I, I drag this thing up there, waves, do <laughs> all this kind of stuff, you know. And I wrap my arm around the cable so I don't get washed over while I'm doing this. And I, you know, sparks are flying, it's all rusty and everything. And then finally cut it off, and the anchor goes, you know, just flies off. The steels, these chain links are this big, you know. And off it went, and at the moment that anchor went, the the skipper put the full throttle on and got us back into the waves again, and we were saved, and we were good. Um, Oh, I forgot to tell you. (laughs) After I had my moment with Jesus, and he screamed at me, I ran to get my torch, and I went into the stateroom, and I shut this door, and I'm jumping up and down. I'm going, devil, you're not going to kill me. I'm not going down. I'm going to live. I'm going to go back and see why. I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs. I will not die. You know, all this kind of stuff. And then I went and and cut it off and everything. Uh, but, uh, But that moment where I knew Jesus was worth all of the rest of that terror <laughs> that I experienced. And I'm so grateful for that. And after that, it was like, man, you, you so want to serve God when he touches you in that way. And it doesn't even have to be that way, obviously. I don't, I don't want all of you going up to Alaska getting on a, on a boat. <laughs> but, but having... Those times when you sense the presence of God, when you sense the forgiveness of God, when you sense the strength of God, when you, when, when you see God rescue you or somebody else in that kind of way, it's like, what else am I here on earth for? Nothing else but to serve other people. All right, let me read this last scripture and then we'll close. And wasn't it great having Danielle healthy again? Yeah. Anyway, uh, my wife pointed out this scripture to me uh, this week, so I thought I would read it. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, a really sad story where Paul's saying goodbye to all his people as he's going uh, <clears throat> to Jerusalem where all this is awful things are going to happen. But he says in verse 24, Acts 20, verse 24, sorry, I didn't have it on my slide here. It says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Now, part of that is being a mom. Part of that's being a a grandpa. Part of that's being a brother. Part of that's being a 
hard worker, but it's, it's also about serving people in some kind of form or fashion. And um, it has certainly helped me and my wife to continue to grow throughout 50 years of, of being a Christian. You know, it, it, I'm so thankful to know you don't just have to get old and be cranky and grumpy. You still can be used by God. I'm so thankful to be a psychologist um, because serving and that tenderness comes easy for me. Um, we kind of planned it that way, but every time I get a, a new client and he sits down and or he she sits down and shares her her brokenness, her stuckness, you know, insecurities and all those kinds of things, it's like me right now to help this person. And there's such a there's such a humbling uh, blessing experiencing that. Um, I I can't encourage you enough to find your place where you have the opportunity to serve and help and lift other people. It's the very heart of God in all of that. Father, I thank you for the great privilege of serving you, of being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Lord, help us to get really disciplined at serving you and being used by you to touch people. And Lord, help us to testify to one another about how uh, people have changed, people have grown, and we have grown as a result of being used by you. We stand together as we just close.